We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. You, you personally? I think we ain't done yet. Welcome to another edition of the Budding Heads Podcast, proud part of Ramstock Radio and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Steve Ribeiro here with Johnny Galvez. Johnny, it's been almost, I think, like two weeks to the day since our last podcast. How you been? I I know you missed me, Steve. I know <laughs> secretly deep down in that New Jersey, Connecticut, New York type of steviness in you, you missed me. Of course I did. Of course I did. I just asked Derek when I just told Derek we're recording because we're late this week and he's also recording. So you guys are going to be blessed with two podcasts right before the game. Uh, Johnny is sounding the alarms with his excitement. Yeah, I I was just about to say that, uh, you know, even though we're a little bit late this week, there's no need to call the police on us. Um, Apparently, that's that's my cue to. Uh, tell everyone that I'm hiding currently, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, the Rams are just randomly really active on a Thursday signing players. Um, so let's get into it. But Johnny, we do have to start with this because this is butting heads. Um, is this... Is it time to apologize to Ben Skoranek? Have have we reached the point? No. Wow. Wow. I was ready. (laughs) Here's the thing about Ben Skoranek, and for those of you that aren't aware, Steve and I have been notorious for, um, you know, just clowning on Ben Skoranek, especially uh, some of his mishaps that happened during, uh, you know, the playoffs last year. But... Here's the thing. His recent success, while I am forever grateful that he's shown a lot of improvement, 
I feel like it isn't so much Ben Skoranek that has moved forward as it is Sean McVay that has discovered his talents and is starting to use it to its fullest. Um, but because th- if- to me, that means we should have even more reason to apologize to him. How so? Because we, I mean, at least me has just been saying he's not good. And watching this game, like you said, like Sean McVay figured out how to maximize his talents that are clearly there because he was really useful in this game. Uh, I never thought he would play fullback, but he did and was very (laughs) productive, like really productive. And McVay mentioned that it's nice having him to do it because if a fullback comes in, the defense is going to adjust. But if Ben Skronik's out there 86% of the snaps and just randomly lines up in eye formation, you can't really adjust your personnel on the fly to accommodate that. And he's really productive in this game. Uh, and I, I don't have a negative thing to say about him in this matchup. Um, and if you've been listening for a bit, I have said lots of negative things about him over the last um you know, 12 months. And I don't think any of it was wrong, but maybe he just wasn't put in a position to succeed, which clearly, and I think in our rants about him over the last year, especially during the playoff run and the end of the season, we mentioned a bunch that there was a seventh round rookie who doesn't project as the player that they're trying to play him at. And he was just put in positions to fail and he failed. Um, And now he's put in now McVeigh is putting him in better situations to succeed, and he's succeeding. So I, I personally am at the doorstep. I, I think that I, I like him. I think he's a useful part of the team in 2022. I can't believe I'm saying it. Oh, for sure, and and I'll hundred percent agree with that. That uh, Sean McVeigh has kind of found an, uh, a little niche for him to become like a really, really great asset to this team if if he continues to develop. But I think this is more of a thank you to Sean McVay than it is to a, an apology to uh, Ben Skoranek because, again, I, I go back and I say, it, I mean, if you think about this, I don't know many coaches would have found a use for Ben Skoranek. I think that is all Sean McVay. You know, I, I don't think you put him on, let's see, I don't I don't think you put him on the Arizona Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury keeps him on the roster for longer than an offseason, you know, and, and and that's that's real. That's reality. That that is the reality. That is the power of Sean McVay. And I, I don't know if it was McVay that discovered this or if it was Liam Cohen. Chances are it was McVay. But um, that is clever thinking. I, I I don't recall anyone using a wide receiver in this manner, at least not very often anyway. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is more of a kudos to Sean McVay, but, uh, I mean, I will give credit where it's due. Ben Skoranek has found an outlet to where he can thrive, you know, and not many NFL players can say that they redeem themselves or found a way to redeem themselves. Um, and that's awesome. That, congrats to him. I hope he continues to thrive. And he doesn't look bad at receiver because, you know, he's not running 40-yard fades. And there's, like, I I think there's been a player or two this year where he's done that. But um, he's 
being utilized as somebody with his skill set should be. I didn't think that'd be fullback, but like in hindsight, thinking about it, it makes a lot of sense. If if you're going to do it with somebody, do it with him. So yeah, I I am both applauding McVeigh and apologizing to Skoranek. Now I don't regret anything I've ever said about him, but you shouldn't. I if he keeps it up, there might be a jersey in my future. Hey, if if this guy, you know, makes it to the point where teams have to, and I mean like they have to pay attention to Ben Skoranek, then I will absolutely apologize. I will eat my words. Hell, I will print out my words. I'll go back and listen to my words, and I will actually take a picture of myself eating those words. (laughs) Ben, please don't succeed. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I will gladly do so if if it means that the – uh, he helps the Rams win a couple games more. I mean, um, and I, on the flip side, we are clear. I don't. I never anticipate us having the same segment about Tutu Atwell. Oh God, that's another story. I, I, and I think I, I. I don't remember if I said this last week. I said on Twitter, like we're giving, we're we're scheming getting the ball to Brandon Powell and not Atwell. Like I, I, I think it's just over. I think the experiment is done. I can't believe they didn't play him in the preseason. Why wouldn't you play him in the preseason if if this is what you have for him when one of your starting wide receivers is not playing? And, and this this stems back to uh, again, if you don't draft Tutu Atwell where you draft him, and there was clear clearly better players available, hell, we could use one of them right now in Creed Humphrey, who is right there and they avoided him in favor of Tutu Atwell it's just upsetting to see you know and people say well in hindsight well no not just freaking hindsight no (laughs) yeah listen to our podcast after the draft exactly (laughs) it's it's not just hindsight It, it was something that was disappointing from the moment that the words or the name was uttered Tutu Atwell is like what the only people defending that were the people who blindly say every single decision Sean McVay and Les Snead make is correct and that we're fucking idiots forever questioning them and some things are true like a yeah we're fucking idiots but that has nothing to do with <laughs> this um no, we are allowed there. to question them they are no more about football than us but I don't know why they did this and it was a bad move at the time, and it's aged like milk. And if this guy was drafted in the sixth round, I don't know if he'd be on the roster. Like, I don't think he would have made the team this year. No. I I mean, the only thing that's kind of helping his cause a little bit is that other than Brandon Powell, there's really not another receiver like him on the roster, and I think that's help, what helps his cause also. But but they're I mean, they're making like they're giving Brandon Powell reps on offense. Yep, he's the punt returner. I know he's technically a receiver, but like, what what can he do on offense that in theory Tutu Atwell shouldn't be able to do? Like, they have very similar profiles. Tutu was drafted to be that guy. He's clearly not. That's fine. We won a Super Bowl the year we drafted him. We'll all move on. But. With these moves we're about to talk about with the depleted offensive line, like why I don't know why they would ever take him where they took him. 
Um, he wasn't a good prospect. He wasn't a position of need. I'll never understand it. It. I think it's going to be the worst move Les Snead ever made as GM. And that's including Greg Robinson. There's way more Ooh. justification to that draft pick than there is this one. Wow. That's a take. <laughs> no, I mean, but it's not unjustified, though. I mean, you could certainly say this is one of his worst uh, moves that he's ever done. And again, it's not necessarily a knock on Tutu Atwell as it is a knock of when he was drafted. Um, I, I don't think we would have this type of argument if he was drafted in the sixth round. You know, there's there's no question. I feel like if Tutu At- the Tutu Atwell project fails, it's like, okay, well, he was a sixth round pick. No big deal. Um, not that he was projected in the sixth round. If I recall correctly, he was projected to go in like the fourth or uh, third round. I think closer to the fourth round. But still, even if he was a fourth round pick, I think it's a an easier pill to swallow than him being a second round pick. It's just at that point, it's like, well, damn, you see all these other guys that that could have been there had we just not taken Tutu Atwell. The, the Rams, since they hired Sean McVay, have picked in the top 60. Four times. Okay. Wow. <laughs> the that's, year that's be- an interesting stat. The I just looked this up. The year before they the first the so the picks that they made were Gerald Everett. Then they didn't have a they didn't have a pick that high for two years. Taylor Rapp was sixty one. Um, but so I guess you can count that if you want. But the year before they took two two, they had two and they took Cam Akers and Van Jefferson, both luxury picks. Um. But that's fine. Akers was a good prospect, and Jefferson wasn't an incredible prospect. If you go back and listen to our takes about that, they're not as harsh as Tutu, but we were a little skeptical of that one. But to go back and take a receiver the next year when he's at best that season going to be the fourth receiver on the depth chart, and he's not even a good prospect. Like, it's just... We got to move on. We have way too much to talk about to dwell on this. I will just continue to bring it up because it just it needs to be said every week how fucking stupid this was. And I'm glad that we can sit here and we're going to talk about some of the moves they made today. And there's a lot of great moves they made this week to help bolster a roster that's a little flawed right now. But man, like it's just such a fucking colossal whip that could that was so obvious. Like I I can't believe that they sat in a room and came to the conclusion that that was a decision they should make. I don't – these people are so fucking smart. I don't know how they possibly landed there. I feel like Steve is, like, lecturing Sean McVay and Les Snead right now. I want a 30 like for wagging. 30 on this draft pick. Like, what <laughs> What the fuck were they doing, dude? They're, these uh, are some of the brightest football minds to ever live. To ever live. Uh, and they settled on this draft pick. Could have been worse. Could have been Trump candidate. That's the only pick the Rams have made in the last, I think, at least years that I've been able to understand draft picks. That's worse than this to me. That's the only one because that makes that made no fucking sense. And that was a first <laughs> round pick. This is to me. This is the worst pick they made since Trump candidate. Every other pick that has not worked out, there is at least logic behind the pick, like Greg Robinson colossal whiff he probably still goes in the top 10 right if we don't oh, no take question. him okay tutu pro- might not go in the top 90 if we don't take him no 
Yeah, I, I agree with that. <laughs> so it's like Greg Robinson, position and need, good prospect. Not a sure thing. And obviously looking at that draft class, the the wrong decision. But it, that, there's so much hindsight with Greg Robinson, and there's not a lot of hindsight with Tutu Atwell. Like you could say there is, there's not. Let's move on because we spent way too much time on that. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm just going to run through everything that has happened this week. Uh, before we get to the players that the Rams have signed, let's talk about a lot of the reasons they've had to make some moves. Um, they had a couple injuries this week. Troy Hill and Tremaine Ingram both left Sunday's game pretty early, and they're unfortunately both heading to the IR. Obviously, Tremaine Ingram is playing because Brian Allen – uh, has been missing some time. He's he's not on the IR, right? Because I saw him on the injury report today. He's probably not going to play this week. But Ingram? Um, no, Brian Allen. Oh, okay. Um, I believe he's going to play this week. Yes. Oh, well, that would be fucking amazing. Um, oh wait, 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 Brian Allen. No, no, no. I I believe he's on the IR. Uh, I'm gonna look it up while we talk. Yeah. Yeah, um, I believe it's Brian Allen that's on the IR, and it's um, Noteboom that was a little banged up and will play this week, uh, if I recall correctly. But I'm more than certain it, it Brian Allen is on the IR. Brian Allen is questionable. Really? Um, yes. Huh. That he's probably not. I don't think he's going to play. Uh, he didn't practice today. It doesn't seem like. Um, he will play, but I'm going to try and pull up the injured reserve. Why is this so hard? Why, why can't I fucking find the injured reserve? <laughs> it's, it's always when you're looking for something, but, um, I, I feel like while Steve's looking for that, I'm, I, I have to mention this because, um, we'll probably, you, we're probably going to bring this up anyway, but. I got to feel bad for Tremaine Ancrum. You know, this guy has been basically a dedicated backup his entire career, mainly because he's undersized. And, you know, this isn't a guy that, you know, he he doesn't underperform or anything. It's just he has, you know, since he's undersized, he, he doesn't he, – he's not able to start compared to other, you know, guys of the um, – you know, I guess fortunate size um, spectrum, I guess you could say. But um, anyway, he finally gets his opportunity to start. This is a guy that puts in a lot of work. There's a lot of respect for this guy. And two plays into the fucking game, and he gets injured. And not just injured for the for the game, but he's out for the entire year. I I felt so bad. When I heard about that, and I'm like, I, I I'm just hoping this guy recovers uh, successfully and comes back with a vengeance because that fucking sucks. Heart goes out to him. Yeah, two plays, two plays. <laughs> yeah, that's fucking brutal. Wait, wait. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't hear what player you were referring to. Tremaine Ancrum. Yeah. Oh, he's done for the fucking year. The year. Ah. <sighs> I'm like, how sad is that? Like, I I really feel bad for him. I really genuinely do. 
because again, you you couldn't ask for a better backup to to get this opportunity because this is a guy that works hard. He's out there all the time, and and just because he's undersized, he doesn't really get that opportunity. Finally, gets that call two plays in. He's out for this year. It's fucking brutal, dude. It's fucking brutal. Um, Joseph Noteboom played like this week, correct? Yes. I I dude, I can't believe how fucking difficult it is to find the injured reserve. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I mean, there's so many names to that list now. It's like... Wow. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So Ankrum done for the year. Troy Hill also placed on the IR. I, I don't think he's done for the year, but we don't have a timetable. Um, not good losses. Obviously, I will say though, um, the offensive line looked okay in this game. Yeah. Like they were fine. Um, given all the injuries, fine is great. Like given everything, every aspect going to this game, if you're passable. I, I'm not going to sit here and drag him. And so uh, credit to Alaric Jackson, who stepped in and played fine, right? I thought he did really well, actually, considering he was playing yeah. out of position also. Yeah, totally. Okay, neither. Okay, I finally found the IR. I had to go to Wikipedia, dude. That's the only place I could find this. <laughs> like, how how is it not on any of these other websites? Um, so no boom or Allen not on the IR. They're, they're both not on the IR. So, okay, that's good news. Yeah, Allen will probably be back at some point. Um, but, yeah, I think as crazy as it is, well, I guess it's not crazy because it's thin. I'm way more concerned about what the Rams do after the Troy Hill injury because truly, like, the difference between Tremaine Ankrum and Alaric Jackson shouldn't be that big to begin with. No. Right? Like, they're, they're, they're both in similar situations. They're reserve guys. I will say with Troy Hill, um, Kobe Durant played well. And he's injured also, uh, not on the IR, but not a guarantee to suit up this week. So if he doesn't play, um, it's going to be Robert Rochelle and Darian Kendrick. And so you got to hope that if Kobe Durant doesn't play, the reason he's um, the reason Rochelle has slipped on the depth chart is because Durant's good and not because he's bad. Because you're going to have to buy into Rochelle and David Long as starting cornerbacks if he doesn't play. And if Durant plays, it's still pretty concerning. Um, but it was at least encouraging that he had a good game uh, against Atlanta. And Arizona's got a lot of good pass catchers. 
<laughs> I don't think they're I don't know though. Like it's not in theory they have a good passing game and they just like don't right now. Um so it's not the worst game to be heading into with these issues. No, not really, but uh it's tough because that means we're gonna get more of a dose of David Long who kind of has reverted back to the David Long that we remember in the first part of the 2021 season and not the second part of the 2021 season. So I, I'm i still hoping and praying that uh, it's just David Long, you know, rusty because they he was kept out of the preseason. But, man, he's had a rough past two games against the uh, Bills and the Falcons. Yeah, yeah, yes. And the Falcons have awful receivers. Like, Kadero Hodge was making plays in the clutch. Yes, he it, was. It's uh, The good news is, like, watching Jalen Ramsey just bitch Brian Edwards at the end of the game felt like watching um, the NBA players in Space Jam at the end of the movies getting their skills back. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. <laughs> I can at least have confidence in Jalen again and – the deep, the secondary will come and go with him, and we have three fairly productive safeties, um, at least in practice. Jordan Fuller played a little more this week. I'm sure if, if uh, well, Hill's obviously missing the game, so I think they'll probably continue to utilize the three of them a lot, whether or not Kobe Durant plays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's so as we mentioned earlier, the Rams signed a lot of people this week. Let's start with the other thing that's happened with the current personnel. Bryson Hopkins suspended for three games for violating. I I think he was he used an illegal substance, right? Yeah, I certainly hope it wasn't a performance enhancing drug because I don't think it worked. So what a waste. Um, (laughs) But. They signed, they brought back Kendall Blanton, who, if you don't remember, was a postseason hero for us last year, was cut pretty early in the preseason, uh, was on the Chiefs practice squad, but the Rams napped him to their active roster. So Hopkins wasn't really playing, so like I don't think this will move the needle, but given the suspension, seems like an obvious move, and I'm glad they did it. Yeah, I... I was a little surprised that they brought him back, to be honest. I thought for sure they were going to promote either Carter or, or Pickney. Um, but I'm absolutely happy that they signed, you know, because you figure when the, the way they cut him early in the preseason, you figure that they were just done with him because it was so early. And, and I get it. The suspension of Hopkins really, you know, changes things, but I don't know. For me, it was just a little weird because it they seemed done. I think given the decision to bring him back, to me it feels kind of clear now, obviously, I wouldn't have said this three weeks ago, that they probably just think Kendall Blanton is who he is right now. Like this this current version of Kendall Blanton is the player he, he he's hit his peak. Um, like there's not a lot of potential to grow. And so they don't really need to have that guy in their practice squad because they want to, you know, grow these other players. And if Blanton wasn't available, I don't think they would have lost a lot of sleep. 
But I think the fact that he was and they needed a backup for Tyler Higbee, you're going to feel more comfortable getting him than bringing up one of these guys in their practice squad. It's, it's what it feels like to me. And I'm certainly more comfortable with it. So uh, I think a much more surprising player coming back, the Rams added Malcolm Brown to their practice squad. Former Rams running back. Uh, he hasn't been on the team in, when was this last year, 2020? Was he here in 2020? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, 29 years old still. Um, yeah, he was here till 2020. He spent 2021 with the Dolphins. Had a cup of coffee with the Saints this preseason, and now he's on our practice squad. Um, I they they also cut Trey Ragas making this move. I like this one. I think it's fine. I think it's a. I would feel much better giving Malcolm Brown carries than any other running back on the roster not named Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers. And to be honest, I wouldn't feel that much worse about giving him carries than Cam Akers. But uh, of, I, I, I'm happy that, that they brought in another vet just in case our glass bones and paper skin running back duo gets hurt. Yeah, I I was all for this move. You know, um, I, I think it's nice to have a familiar face rather than just signing anyone off free agency or an undrafted free agent or something like that. Uh, because clearly if the Rams need to dip into their reserves, your only other option other than Ragas was um, Jake Funk. And I, I'm I'm not going to lie, man. I just, I'd rather see him on the special teams than not carrying the football. Agreed. Kieran Williams is hurt. Um, by the way, I saw a lot of people saying this on Twitter, and I don't think it's true. Do you think if Kieran Williams didn't get hurt in that game week one, that Cam Akers wouldn't have touched the ball? No. I don't, I don't agree with that either. It, it, I, I do think that Sean McVay does have a plan for Williams. It's just, I don't think he's, I, I feel like at this point, a lot of people have overhyped him to the point where they're going to be disappointed when he actually is healthy enough to play because in, in, in essence, he's just a rookie, you know, he's a rookie that's playing behind two very capable backs at least Cam Akers used to be capable, and now Malcolm Brown. So, yeah, it's going to be a tall hill for him to climb. You know, let, let's put it that way. Let's let's talk about Akers quick before we move on to the next guy because we're talking about it. Um, clearly played better this week. I will give him some props. He had a really good pass protection grade on Pro Football Focus, albeit not on a lot of pass protection reps. And after um, that clip went viral of him literally – not deciding to block someone from week one. It's nice to see him at least getting a good grade. I just, right, so this week was a 50-50 split, and I just, I don't get it. I don't know why they're doing that. It, I Henderson is clearly better. I'm not saying it should be a 90-10 snap split, but I feel like it should be a, like, 65-35 snap split right now. I think the hope is that he you know, kind of snaps into that form of Cam Akers that we saw before he sustained all the injuries. And I get it because if he does, then the Rams ground game gets significantly better. 
But the thing is, until he does, Daryl Henderson is performing better at the moment. Um, I don't know if he can sustain that type of performance, but you hope that's the case. And I think that's what it's boiling down to is because right now the, the ground game for the Rams is a mess. And it's a little bit disappointing considering it may have been an area the Rams could have addressed somewhat better. But I don't know how much better they could have done. They did go after a running back. He's just injured. And, yeah, I, I it's just another year of, is Cam Akers going to actually be that guy? Last year, he sort of had an excuse. And this year, it's just been disappointing. And when you have Sean McVay calling you out of having a lack of urgency, you know something's wrong. I will say, because I feel like I owe it to them after shitting on Tutu Alabama for 10 minutes on this podcast, that I don't disagree with the decision to not address the running back room that much this offseason. I think there was big positions of need that they had to address, and for the most part did, uh, like with Bobby Wagner, with Logan Bruss, who obviously got hurt, guys like that. And I think because you have Henderson and Akers in the building, like I was fine with, let's see what they got, and... The Malcolm Brown edition, even though it's not no, that notable, is at least telling me like, okay, well, they will pull the plug if they have to on getting Acres back into it. They're probably not loving seeing how good James Robinson has played coming back from an Achilles injury um, versus Acres, but hey, we'll see. I don't necessarily disagree with their decision. I mean, I guess I kind of just said I did, but like, if you're if there's a game to give Cam Akers the ball a bunch to see what happens. It was last week's game. And so I'll be interested to see how the split is against Arizona, who's a better team. But how much better, we'll talk about in a bit. Um, the Rams added another player to their active roster, outside linebacker Tack McKinley. Johnny, if I remember correctly, this is one of the guys that you had previously advocated for the Rams to sign, right? Uh, yes. I, if I'm not mistaken, this was... I don't remember if it was last year or the year before, um, but he was um, he was cut off the Falcons roster um, after kind of having a bust season there. And really it was kind of the thought process of, you know, since the Rams have been notorious of resurrecting careers, why not give Tack a, a shot since he was so young? But I, I'm not going to lie. I have my doubts now considering how many teams he's bounced off of and just – not really been successful at all, which kind of hurts me a little bit because he's a former Bruin. But hey, he's on the Rams now. And if anyone can res- resurrect his career, it is the Rams with Raheem Morris and Sean McVay. So, um, you know, if nothing else, they cut him too. You know, what's there to lose? Yeah, it's like if you if there's a guy on the garbage heap that you can actually get yourself excited about, I'm I am here for it. Um I think he played under Raheem Morris in Atlanta, right? Uh, yes, I it, believe so. It seems like based on the quotes that they put out, like Raheem Morris said, he's a guy who can help us in the pass rush, and he's a, a guy who I think deserves a second chance and hopefully can come in and really do some good things for us. So he probably advocated for it, um, this signing happening. Uh, they said they signed him in the wake of Leonard Floyd's injury. Leonard Floyd is hurt too? Yes. Jesus I, Christ. I, I think he's more of a day-to-day kind of guy. Um, because he was before the Falcon game also. So maybe this is kind of a, you know, an addition 
just in case, you know, Leonard Floyd needs a little bit more rest or needs to take a few plays off because of his injury. Um, but yeah, I'm all, I, like I said, I'm all for, you know, the signing of tack worst comes to worst. You cut the guy there. It's really little risk, um, and potential high reward if they're able to tap into his potential. Yeah. Low risk. Yeah. It could be high reward, medium reward, maybe more realistic, but that's great. Uh, I would take medium reward right now. Oh yeah. Some moves on the offensive line. They signed former safety center. Wow, what the fuck did I even just say? Safety center? Uh, former <laughs> Ravens center Matt Scora uh, to the practice squad and elevated Odea Bushi, who was already on the practice squad that they signed last week, which we did talk about. They've elevated him to the active roster. So making some moves at line in the wake of the Tremaine Ancrum injury as well as everybody else being banged up. I'm not going to sit here and act like I know anything about either of these guys. Johnny, can you tell me about them? Do you know anything? Uh, I don't know much about Ibushi, if I'm being honest. Um, but I do know a little bit about Skora. Um, he was a guy that did okay for the Ravens at one point. And at this point, he's kind of a shell of what he was. Um which I guess isn't terrible considering that the Rams really don't have a true backup center. Uh, when you have guys like, you know, Coleman Shelton, who's supposed to be, uh, you know, your starting guard, and now as Brian Allen's injured, you have to shift center. That's not a good sign. So I'm all for signing him if they feel like he can be a decent backup. You know, it's going to take a little bit anyway for him to actually get familiarized with this offense. Again, it's important to remember with especially offensive linemen, it's not like you can be like, okay, play football. You know, the, the, this is literally one of the most important positions in football, and it's going to take some time for him to adjust. And here's hoping he can acclimate himself to this, you know, type of offense to be at least you know, a presence um, just in case Brian Allen gets injured again. Yeah, I I am absolutely fine with adding a veteran who has played in the NFL in meaningful games because, you know, the depth guys in the Rams have not. And um, so I'm happy about it. I, just, I don't know how much to add on it. I, I think um, – you know, they're addressing the right positions with these moves. Uh, Odea Bushi has played in the NFL since 2013. And so... That's, wow. So do a float. I don't know how productive he's been at other stops. Started four games for the Chargers last season. Um, but to have floated around for that long, you have to be okay especially considering that he was never really that notable. I think that um, I am okay with the with the play. Uh, he started 47 games, apparently. So we're coming to this really uneducated, but we're learning. I, I will say this, though. Um, you you got to take what Sean McVay said in his, uh, I, I guess, answering the question about Ibushi. 
with a grain of salt. You know, this guy sounded really excited about having him. And while, yes, I agree having a guy with, you know, experience out there um, for availability, I guess that's great. But man, the, to hear Sean McVay talk about him, you'd think that the Rams just came across <laughs> like a prize free agent or something. Uh, he's uh, so good at coach speak, man. Oh, big time, big time. And, and you know, kudos to him because at least you can psych yourself up about that. And maybe he truly believes that Ibushi will be the answer to our problems. I would believe uh, McVay over myself any day. So, um, but yeah, take still take it for a grain of salt. We'll see. I mean, getting two guys that have real NFL experience to me is a, is a huge win because I think that's one of the things we've been complaining about with the offensive line depth going into the season is that the only guy that wasn't, I mean, even the starters, like with Coleman Shelton in there, you know, your, your guys behind them, the only guy who has any real NFL experience is Bobby Evans, and it's bad experience. It's experience I don't want to see again. Um. Still on the roster, though. He's still hanging in there. They also signed cornerback Sean Jolly, uh, who was, an, I think, an undrafted free agent on the Browns practice squad. I don't know anything about him, but they are okay. adding to the corner cornerback room, given all given the Troy Hill situation we just discussed. <laughs> that I have to admit, this is not exactly what you want to talk about. You know, two games into the season, all these injuries. Remember when, like three podcasts ago, we said how excited we were that we didn't have to talk about fake NFL players anymore? Oh, man. <laughs> Here we are doing 20 minutes on it. Next thing you're going to do is tell me about Cody Sensabaugh. <laughs> and that guy got a bag to come in and be bad and get cut after like four games. Why can't it be Cody Sensabaugh? <laughs> Um, did I miss anything in terms of things that have happened this week? Uh, no, I think you hit just about everything in terms of transactions. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. All right. Well, I know Derek's got a pot coming out, so we don't need to get too deep into the Cardinals preview. Um, but let's talk about it a little bit. So the Cardinals are one and one. They opened the season. They got the absolute ever loving shit kicked out of them by the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. We got our ass kicked week one, two. Uh, week two, kind of have an opposite scenario as us. They have a nice comeback win against the Raiders, who I'm also not convinced are good. The Fal- I think we can agree that the Cardinals are better than the Falcons, correct? Oh, yeah. Do no we doubt. think the Cardinals are good? No. No, me neither. I, I think they're bad. Maybe not like bad, bad, but like not good. Yeah, I I, I don't think there's, at least without DeAndre Hopkins even, like I, I just don't think they're that great. You know, they're, they're a decent bunch. A, a team that may have a chance to squeak their way into the playoffs, but it wouldn't surprise me if they miss it too. I don't think they're making the playoffs. We'll see. They, in week in week two, Kyler Murray threw the ball almost 50 times. He completed 31 passes, 277 yards, threw a touchdown, threw an interception. Um, I think he ran for a score, too. 
you saw a lot of what Kyler does well and what Kyler does bad in their like twenty play drive to end to to either tie or win the game. I don't remember which one it was, um, but they had like eight plays in the red zone. Oh my god, I forgot the game ended on a fumble return. Um, yep. What a fucking <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Okay, so on their on their drive to tie the game, they had a. Uh, in the red zone, they had nine plays, um, which is just, just wild. Yeah, it it was a very interesting game, and I have to say, it was it was just beautiful, beautiful karma for all the Raider fans that were clowning on me when the Rams were struggling with the Falcons late in the game, and then seeing like the roles reverse there the cardinals come back start whooping their ass and ended up losing the game it was it was poetic karma even though the falcons suck yeah they didn't hold on uh a game where they were up 20 to nothing at halftime and lost so good for you oakland or las vegas (laughs) oakland (laughs) always be oakland to me Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. So, like, I guess a good question to ask is, Cardinals aren't that good. We're on the road. We're favorites. We are coming off a game where we had a great first half and a comically bad second half. Luckily, they were able to pull out the win. Like, I I, I one to ten. How confident are you walking into this game? We've seen the Rams. You know, we're one and one. It's a really uninspiring one and one. Uh, it is like a one and one by default because we played the Falcons in week two and we almost were zero two. We are real close to being zero two. So, like, yep. how confident are you, I guess, going into this game and just, like, in general about this team after two weeks? Probably about a six. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm not, like, I'm not sweating the the breakdown last week too much. To me, it just feels like they got a big lead. They got comfortable. They made some boneheaded plays. Um, they had a fluke Cooper Cup fumble. It really happens. Um it just kind of sloppy. I think they'll clean it up. I hope. But um Yeah, I don't know. I six sounds okay. You know, I I do I think today do I feel good that the Rams will be back in the Super Bowl again this year? Fuck no. Not at all. 
But, like, we got a couple weeks to figure it out, man. Where did I put that tequila? <laughs> um, <laughs> that That's uh, depressed tequila, not happy tequila. Um, that's, like, Cuervo status. Jose Cuervo. Uh, yeah, that shivers. Anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, man, maybe we should write an article about players based on tequila. That would be awesome, actually. I'm here for I mean, that. I mean, uh, Steve did, did it based on, uh, sodas before. So, yeah, I thought that could be cool. Who would be our Cuervo? Uh, topic for another day. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, well, what were we talking about? I got so tied up into tequila, I lost track of what we were talking about. If if we believe in the Rams after two weeks, ah, um, I think that the Rams are better than what we saw in the past two weeks. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure how much better, um, but we'll see. You know, it was it, yeah. like I know we kind of fucked up in the second half of that game, but it was nice to see us just walk out there and just smoke the Falcons for two quarters. Would have been great if we did for four, but yes. like it at least after week one, it was like, Oh, okay. So like, yeah, we're going to be good. We're going to be in the playoffs at on a scale of one to 10. How confident am I that the Rams will be in the playoffs this year? I'm a 10. How confident I am that they'll be in the Super Bowl again today. Three and a half. <laughs> I but, was going to say two, but uh... yeah, not high, but like, we got time to figure it out. You know, as long as Stafford's arm is not cooked, I don't think we have the evidence of that one way or the other yet. Um, I think I'm leaning towards not cooked. I don't know about you. No, uh, I, I don't blame any of these games per se. Uh, I don't even blame him in week one where he had a, such a horrendous showing. No, so um, that game was on the line. I would say this game, the offensive mistakes are more on him, but not necessarily on his arm being cooked. It was just, no. we watched Stafford do this multiple times last year, just playing like a fucking moron for just no reason. <laughs> uh, it, it's like what we were saying with Sean McVay let's need in the draft situation of 2021. Like, Matt Stafford, one of the smartest quarterbacks in the NFL, just occasionally looks like, looks lost. That, you know, that I don't know how. To, I, I just have flashbacks to that pass that he tried to shove into Tyler Higby. Why? I don't know, man. There was uh, but, there was some sus plays in this game, but yeah, is... I, I I don't really have I haven't lost faith in him, and it, it's really kind of hilarious seeing you know people talk about uh, Matthew Stafford. Is the injury bothering him? Is his arm like about to fall off? Like, what's wrong with Matthew Stafford? And it's like, did did you watch the games? Like. In week one, you can't really say anything because dude had barely enough time to get the football from the snap, you know? Well, if you entered week one with that being your narrative, it you could have used it as evidence to back it up. I think it's bad evidence because of what you just said. But, like, I think this game was more – like, I don't think there's really much evidence into this game. Like, the bad plays he was making, it didn't seem like because he couldn't make them. It was more like, why is he making them? Why is he attempting to make them? <laughs> Exactly. And that's the McVeigh or I mean the the Stafford that we remembered in the early part of 2021. So I that's fine. Um I, I mean it's not fine for him to make that intercept those types of interceptions, but um 
at least you know it's not because his arm is a noodle. You know, at this point, you know, I saw some passes during the game that I'm like, okay, that's that seems like the Stafford I remember. Um, and that's that's fine. You know, if we can continue to um, make better decisions, I don't think there's really that much of a concern. But we got to limit the dumb decisions and eliminate them if all possible because that to better teams you can't make those types of mistakes or you're going to end up with an L that's just the reality of it you know this week against a team we both agree isn't good uh, if they made those mistakes I don't know if we'd win nope. although to be fair we did this, do this in the playoffs last year and still won the game uh, yeah <laughs> but I guess um, yeah, talk about the Cardinals a little bit more. James Conner might not play in this game. It seems pretty unlikely that he will play in this game. So the running back room behind him is awful. Can you name their leading receiver this year? Well, it's not more. Uh, it's definitely not green. It is not green. I think it's 29 yards. <laughs> Um, I, I can't name him. Uh, the correct guess that's not the right answer would have been Hollywood Brown. Uh, the answer is Greg Dortch, who has 118 yards in two games. Hey, scope out the former Ram. <laughs> correct. Oh my God. I forgot he's played for the Rams. Yeah. On the practice squad. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, so like, this is a team that. When healthy, when they have DeAndre Hopkins back, when they have James Conner out there, is loaded on offense. Um, but if like, Hopkins obviously not playing, and if Conner doesn't play, you're working with Marquise Brown, Zach Gertz, Greg Dortch, uh, AJ Green, Eno Benjamin. So you know, the Rams should win this game. I I picking them thirty to twenty. It shouldn't be a problem. And you know, it's funny, Johnny. Like we, I think it was a couple pods ago. I said. Maybe it was after week one. I was like, the stretch of games where they play uh, Arizona, and then they who do we play next week? San Francisco, and then the Cowboys is really going to give us a taste of who this team actually is. I don't think that's true anymore um, because the Cardinals don't look great. Uh, although the 49ers, you know, hate to say it, probably better than they were a week ago. And the Cowboys are nothing. They're a big, fat nothing burger. So, <laughs> and knowing the Rams, you know, with our track record, I hope it's not true. It wouldn't shock me if we get blown out by the Niners because it's just what, what we do. Um, so, you know, good chance we're three and two after five weeks. Hopefully we're four and one. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know when I'll be ready to make a call about how I actually feel about this team. Uh, we We still need to see some stuff. Yeah, it's it is hard to pinpoint what exactly the Rams have in in this team. And part of it is the uncertainty about you know certain positions, but moving forward they they definitely need to gel a lot better because if we can get the team that we saw against the Falcons in the first half, the Rams will be golden. If we get a, the team that we saw against the Falcons in the second half, the Rams are screwed. I, I'm not even sure if the Rams could even make the playoffs 
if they play like that for the rest of the year. If they don't head in the bye week four and two, um, like if we go two and two in these next four games, I will be really concerned. Um, like you can't lose to more than you can't lose more than one of these Cardinals, 49ers, Cowboys, Panthers. You want to lose the 49ers? I mean, sure. You know, we do it all the fucking time. Uh, I hope we don't. I hope we head in that bye week five and one. Um, you know, the, the Niners, I think they're a better team with Jimmy Garoppolo than Trey Lance, but their ceiling is capped because, you know, we know exactly who Jimmy Garoppolo is. We don't know who Trey Lance is yet. But I will say, beating the Seahawks doesn't mean shit. They play Denver this week. Denver, by the way, Johnny, I'm taking my fucking victory lap on Denver, dude. I said on the schedule preview that I didn't think they were that good. They fucking suck, dude. They are bad. (laughs) They are not good. (laughs) That is true. You did call that. And to be honest, I was one of the people that bought into the, the Broncos. And it was mainly not so much Russell Wilson that people, you know, overhyped about because if anything, we should be more aware of what type of player Russell Wilson is. I think he's still talented, but I don't think he's the same Russell Wilson, the MVP Russell Wilson that we know. I think he's past that. But what I thought was you you put him on a team that has a decent offense. You you have your Jerry Judy. You you have your um your Sutton out there. Yeah, don't undersell it, dude. They're loaded. That offense yeah. is loaded. Exactly. So my thoughts, you add in Wilson, who clearly the Broncos needed a better wide, uh, quarterback. And I'm thinking this might be a better team. What the hell happened last year? What what am I missing here? What so <laughs> on paper they should have improved. So you can chalk up the the loss to Seattle in week one to, you know, former team. That team's going to be motivated as hell. Pete Carroll's going to be motivated as hell. He always gets his guys to play. They lose. Okay. You know, maybe it's just a fluke. Like, that that happens. That's a game that is surprising that they lost. But, like, when you think about it, it shouldn't be that surprising. I think it's worse in their week two victory over the Texans that they scored 16 points, the same they scored against Seattle. Uh, and before the fourth quarter, they had six points. They were losing going into the fourth quarter. Russell Wilson goes 14 of 31 against one of the worst teams in the NFL. Like, that's just fucking – that's an embarrassing win, dude. Uh, we've had games. I think we've talked about that. We've talked about moral victories before the Rams were good. I think we've had some moral losses since the Rams have been good, that's a moral loss. That's as big of a moral loss as you can get. You know, I actually forgot about this, and I'm glad that you brought it up, Steve. So you brought up moral victories, and I fucking loathe moral victories. There are times where, okay, fine, you have to take a a moral victory. Like, one of the only times I accepted a moral victory is the first time we lost to the Bills, where they essentially were getting dominated and then they came back almost winning the game. And unfortunately they lost. I can accept that it's disappointing, but I can accept that there were so many fucking moral victories with Jeff Fisher (laughs) that I hate moral victories. So when Sean McVay 
I don't know if you saw his his kind of victory speech at the end. He did a moral victory where he's like, I I know you guys know how hard it is to get a victory in the NFL. I'm like, no, 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 fucking no. Well, but no. they won though. They won. So I don't give a it shit. Was, it was a that win. Is, it I don't give a damn. It might as well have been a loss, to be honest. It was the Atlanta Falcons. If we're talking the Buffalo Bills, okay, fine. I take I'll take that. You know, they they almost come back and win. Okay. I'm with you there. So you're we're talking about the Atlanta Falcons. You know, this is the one of the worst teams in the NFL. Honestly, it's not as it's on the same par as you know the Broncos barely winning the Texans. It's really on the same par when you think about. I it. I don't think it is because they 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 blew them out in the first half and they just kind of threw it away. Like you at least can go. Okay, we did a bunch of dumb shit in the second half and almost lost the game. Like when get- when you scrape by to score 16 points against Houston, I think it's a lot worse. I think it's a lot worse. I don't it, know, Steve. That sounds like some 7-9 bullshit to me. <laughs> well, no, no. The, the Our game, I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally call it a moral loss, but it's certainly not a win you should feel good about. This is oh, like no. a straight-up moral L for the Denver. Because you're... Two games with Russell Wilson, a Hall of Famer, you bring in to play quarterback for your team, and you haven't scored over 16 points, and you haven't played a good team either. And they play the 49ers this week. And so, like, if, if they have a good game against 49ers, none of, this, none of this shit we've talked about for the last five minutes matters. But it's, it's looking great so far. I, I hope I'm overreacting a little bit. No, I don't. I, I don't think you're overreacting because it was pretty embarrassing how the game played out. But it at least, like, I don't think there's a positive takeaway from the Denver game for them outside of the fact that they won. There's not a ton of positive takeaways for us from this Falcons game, but there are like things you could look at and point to and say, "I'm happy." Like I, that that went well. Just a handful that didn't. I have to say, for the most part, while I may not have always agreed with Sean McVay's thinking, I have to say this was the first time I can outright say it kind of pissed me off listening to him during that victory speech. It really did. Because I'm like, man, I I don't want to listen to this kind of shit. I I don't want him to go out there and say, you guys sucked or anything like that. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, it's hard to get a win in the NFL. Well, no fucking shit, but you're, you're supposed to, the the idea is to repeat, not to, okay, do a good job. No, no, you want to repeat. And I'm sure he, he's, that's what he's allotting to, but it was still disappointing to hear that. I don't know. I, it just triggered me a little bit. Brought me back to darker times. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm more in the middle because, you know, they did close, like, they closed out the game. You know, they shouldn't have been in a position to have to close out the game. But they ended it on a high note. You know, like, if this game... This is, again, this is a, a stupid fucking thing to say. Like, if the game ended on an onside kick that we recovered, you feel a lot worse about it than you do when the game ends on Jalen Ramsey making a big play. It's pretty fucking embarrassing and bad, and you're going to have to... 
shit on your players in film the next day. But I, I, you gotta, you gotta come out and like you can't walk in there and berate your players That's after true. the win. Because like, yeah, they, I'm sure the film session on Monday or Tuesday, whenever they did it, was not good. I would hope it wasn't good. <sighs> you picking the Rams to beat the Cardinals? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, at the end of the day, it's still Cliff Kingsbury coaching. Yeah, I think. You know, I thought we were gonna have to apologize to Cliff for a little bit last year. I, I no, he's not. He's not the answer. I don't know why he's still there. I, I'm actually surprised he's still there based off of last year. But you got so much invested in your quarterback, you gotta like unless there's a fucking massive turnaround this year. If they don't win playoff games, I think you have to move on. No matter, like if they make the playoffs, it's not enough. To me, it's not enough because he, he like they're. I don't know. I don't think it's enough. We'll see what happens. All right. Well, we got an hour out of that podcast, so let's wrap up. You got anything else? Just uh, no more moral victories. If this happens again this week, it's it's a moral loss. If we do the same shit we did against the Falcons and the Cardinals. But uh, we'll be back sometime next week. Be sure to follow us at Superbaro, at Johnny506, at Talk Rams. Uh, and if you haven't listened to Derek's and Mike's podcast yet, check it out. How would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. You, you Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.